Hey y'all, welcome back to ACE. I am your host, Darren Joe. Here on the show, we talk about entrepreneurial well-being and how to do your best work. And in past episodes, I've brought on experts in ancient Eastern philosophy. I've brought on guests who are experts at Tai Chi, but I've never really brought on someone to talk about physical conditioning, which I think is just as important as the big ideas that have been in past episodes of the show. So I was really excited to bring an old friend on the show. He's a strength and conditioning coach, one of Saigon's premier, if not the premier strength and conditioning coach in Saigon, Vietnam. And uh, he's worked with thousands of clients from professional athletes to teenage athletes. And in this episode, we talk about two things. One is just some tips on how you can design your own strength program, whether you're stuck in your apartment in lockdown the way I am, or if you have access to a gym. We talk about, you know, an exercise that can help you combat the awful sort of hunch we get working at a computer all day and just learn some basic fundamental tips on on what's important here when it comes to a strength uh, routine that could help your life. And then we also dive into Justin's story um, in terms of how he was able to move to a foreign country, start working as a private trainer, and then turn that into his own business now that is quite successful. And even though I've been Justin's friend for a long time, I actually didn't know many of the stages of his journey and how he thought about each of them. So I think you'll find both the strength tips and Justin's story inspiring. And I hope you enjoy the episode. If you have questions for Justin, feel free to leave them in the comments of this episode, and I'm sure he'd love to help you out. All right, so let's get straight to my conversation with Justin Parks of Parks Performance Coaching on the ACE Podcast. Here we go. My next guest is a strength and performance coach based in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. He's also my former roommate. He's a longtime friend and an infuriating opponent on the basketball court. I hate guarding him. But Justin Parks, welcome to the Ace Podcast. Howdy, Darren. What's good in the hood? <laughs> What's good in the hood? So glad to finally make this happen, bud. Just to start, why don't you just tell our audience you know, what you're doing in Saigon and for how long you've been doing it? So my wife and I, we moved to Saigon Next month, it will be nine years. So I've been here nine years now. Kind of came here on a whim. Like I ended up traveling through Southeast Asia when I was 20. I took a gap year. Ended up loving the place and uh, always wanted to come back. So we did. Prior to coming to Saigon, I had a career in banking and finance. I'm obviously not in it anymore. It wasn't really my, wasn't really my shtick. Learned a lot. Don't regret it, but uh, definitely wasn't fulfilling. So coming to Saigon, I suppose the main purpose was, I don't know, I kind of had this thing in the back of my head where I just wanted to see if I could make it somewhere different. And uh, I've always been up for a challenge. As you know, we always challenge ourselves on the basketball court. I just liked how different Asia was compared to Canada, where I was from. So when we moved in 2012, the initial idea was 
let's get there. Maybe I'll get a job in banking and finance because that sort of was like my career and, you know, what life had imparted on me at that point. But when we got here, it was 2012. And um, if anyone knows Vietnam, 2012 for the banking and finance industry was like 2008 everywhere else. Like this big crisis, no opportunities, blah, blah, blah. But it ended up being a blessing because um, I always had this pipe dream. Like the first time that I came to Vietnam, I was on the beach in Nha Trang. And then uh, I just like went down a side street and there was a gym. So I dropped in and uh, you could see the ocean. And I'd be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a gym uh, in Vietnam, like by the beach? But anyways, a year or so in Vietnam, not much going on, can't get a job, we're kind of living off savings. I see an ad to become like a personal trainer in, in the area that I'm living in now. I apply uh, with some encouragement from my wife because at the time I was kind of uh, a little bit nervous and scared and, uh, you know, what I was scared about, who knows, but it was what it was. Started working, got a client. Got 30, 40 clients, and I decided to do it myself. And now we have a business called PPC. And What does PPC stand for? Parks Performance Coaching. So we're like a niche gym that kind of caters to youth athletes, the general fitness population, pro athletes. We deal with injuries. Um, and yeah, we got a little private training lab, I like to call it, here in Saigon. And uh, we've been making an impact here for the past six plus years now. Gosh, that's amazing. And I have been privy to the lab. In fact, I lived in the house and uh, it was amazing to be roommates with you guys and also just see how hard both you and your wife work to make this happen. I mean, uh, when I would be going out for salsa at 8 p.m., these guys would both be asleep for their 5 a.m. wake-ups. <laughs> <laughs> that's true man and that's sessions. True. Thanks. so we had we had completely different schedules but um yeah hey they, we worked hard in uh, in our own ways yeah just on different <laughs> on different time uh time schedules there that's right that's right and I, I i should also note that yeah you were you were a competitive basketball player right so you always had this interest in in definitely sports performance but i never really saw you as a gym guy to be honest like how did those things come together for you yeah, good point. Uh, I, I definitely didn't touch upon that uh, in my intro. Yeah, funny thing, like I actually, in, in the beginning when I was young, I hated the gym. Like I hated lifting weights and things of that nature. But uh, I was always competitive and I loved sports. And uh, I started playing basketball when I was 12, 13 years old. Kind of uh, had a talent for it. But, you know, being in Canada, being in North America, um, you know, being half Asian or whatever, I'm not the tallest guy. I'm five foot ten, and uh, so you got to find other ways to, you know, get an edge. So, essentially, when I was 13 years old, I thought to myself, "All right, like I just want to be better than everyone at basketball. So, what can I do?" And uh, I knew, I knew the skill stuff like the skill side of the equation. Like I was always outside shooting hoops. I was lucky enough my dad sent me to camps and I was doing that sort of thing. But then I was like, okay, physically, like what can I do? Like, man, like Michael Jordan's my hero. Like how can I fly in the air like him? You know, can I dunk? Um, can I bully people? Can I be stronger than people? That sort of curious want 
started what is like a lifelong forever journey for me into developing one's body for performance, for athletic performance. And back then, times were different. Like, we didn't really have Google. We didn't have uh, um, all the resources that are available now. So what I would do on the weekends or when I had spare time was I'd go to my local library, you know, where you could rent books. I didn't have any money at the time. And, and even though the library is free, you know, we're, we're kids, so you forget to return books. So they don't let you take out any more books because you have like an outstanding balance. I would read books at the library about like athletic performance. And it wasn't even called that back then. Like I found a book with uh, a Charlotte Hornets Jamal Mashburn <laughs> uh, on the cover and it was like strength training for basketball and I started reading this and it, it piqued curiosity and so from that um, it gave me a base of which to trial stuff see what worked I also found out about other topics that I could do further research on so I learned about plyometrics and plyometrics is like a like back in the day like originated from like Soviet Russia so you know you're finding like resources on this and then you trial and you you see what works you see what doesn't work and um, you know I found some stuff that worked and so while I didn't like the gym in the first place I definitely really liked the reward that came after it and I really enjoyed the process because it's it's quite funny now seeing the similarity like that curiosity that passion for the want of it, of of improvement i i honestly think that's one of the biggest reasons i've been successful is um i will never stop that curious want like even you know this morning um i was uh i'm doing a course on biomechanics of the body uh, I'm reading a book on, um, you know, client relations. I'm trying to write an article on uh, recovery and uh, try to think about ways how to impart this onto as many people as possible. So that that curiosity, um, that drive, that fire, whatever you want to call it, I didn't know, but it, it's setting me up for today for sure. Yeah. And let's also just say that you're a super competitive guy, as am I. <laughs> and I've, I've, you know, I've uh, felt some of your elbows, and uh, definitely cried as you know you've you've burned me many times on the basketball court. But yeah, I think that being as competitive as you are and uh, wanting that competitive edge, um, I think everyone can see that, you know, and feeds off of that. And now you're you're teaching people right how to learn the same things. I, I want to circle back to your story in terms of how you went from personal trainer with 40 clients to now working with professional athletes. We'll, we'll come back to that because I think that's that's quite a jump. First, I just thought if you could share some of your knowledge, right, for those people like me who are working behind computers a lot. In my case, I am stuck in um, Ho Chi Minh City. I can't leave my apartment right now. I don't have gym equipment. Yeah, what would you recommend for virtual workers, people working behind computers a lot? What sort of strength training routine would you recommend for them? And I know I, there was about five questions in there, but yeah. Maybe I'll, you I'll just, try to do my best. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really good question. Um, so strength training is all about problem solving. Um, so essentially the person in front of you or your demographic, which would be a virtual worker, 
what are their problems, what are their likely goals, and what can you do to get them to a better state or get them further along with what they want physically, health-wise? So it's a really good question because the solopreneur, the virtual worker, has several challenges. Um, it's a sedentary type of lifestyle, right? You're inside. The, the first thing I would say is, can you and will you, and, and you really should, can you make it a part of your lifestyle? Can you make being healthy, being active, whatever, it doesn't necessarily have to be strength training. Can you like just do something that is like the opposite of, of what the daily entails of a virtual worker? That's a start. I can. So if you do that, because sorry, that, that, I lost my point here. We are what we do. Right? So if you sit all day, if you're at a computer all day, you're just going to exacerbate everything that becomes because of that. All right? So you got to start doing opposite things. And whether that means, I don't know, setting a timer every hour, getting up, going for a walk. Um, like I know you like, to, you like salsa, you like to dance. That's an, that's an activity. That's exercise. It doesn't have to be going in the gym and lifting weights. And that gets you moving. It gets your heart flowing, your body temperature up, your respiratory rate up, uh, all these things happen. You know, it's good for your muscles, it's good for your heart, your breath, your mind. Like, it'll make you a produ more productive worker and likely more efficient in your career. If you're talking in terms of, okay, like, um, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, personal trainer, what would be the best thing that you could do if I got you in a gym, for example? The, the gym isn't your main priority, right? So I'd want something that's super efficient. If you're a solopreneur, you're a busy guy, you have goals, you want to accomplish some things, you want to be getting bang for buck and maximizing your time when you're in the gym. So I'd look at doing total body workouts, like working the whole body in one session. In order to maximize that, you want to be looking at doing compound movements, not isolation movements. So for example, so when I say total body, it can differ from like body part splits. Like a total body workout would be like you work out all your muscles, lower body and upper body versus Monday I'm doing upper, Tuesday I'm doing lower. Not as efficient. When I talk about compound movements, I'm talking about things that are multi-joint, multi-factorial, yeah, compound movements. Like an example of this would be a squat versus a leg extension. Mm -hmm. In a squat, you're working a lot of muscles in the leg. Depending on how you do it, you could be working muscles in your midsection, in your arms, things of that nature, and getting a lot more done in a less amount of time than trying to work all those muscles separately. So for your upper body, that could be like a push-type exercise, like a push-up, versus just doing like chest flies or you know, shoulder raises or a pull type exercise like a row or a pull up versus like a bicep curl. Mm -hmm. That way you can get, uh, I like this one. There's uh, something called the Pareto principle. I'm not sure if you, if you know that one. So it states um, essentially 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. Right. And I, I truly believe this. And, and with most people that I train, most people end up doing like a lot of what this 20% is. So if you can find ways to do that by doing compound movements, um, you're going to get the majority of the results that you need. So if you're 
if you're doing push movements, if you're doing pull movements, if you're doing squat and you're doing hinge movements, those are kind of the main four. If you can get all those in a workout session, you're pretty good. So I know you you have the PPC pillars. I've listened to a bunch of your podcast episodes, right? You got the push, pull, squat, hinge, and trunk. So my question is what I've been doing, for example, is I'll do like 200 push-ups one day and then I'll do 50 pull-ups the next day and then I'll do 60 squats the next. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing compound movements, but I'm just doing like one, like one thing a day, right? Is that stupid or, you know, what, what would you recommend there? No, like first off, I commend you. Like that's <laughs> like you're doing stuff and you're doing compound movements. Yeah, so like yeah. good on you, man. Like yeah. uh, um, other people aren't. So, you know, pat yourself on the back. Is there a better way to do that? I mean, yeah, in my opinion, in my experience, sure, probably. Uh, I'd probably try to get, you know, maybe at least like another compound movement. Like if, if your thing is like, hey, I like doing something every day, that, that, that's great. Then maybe I just add like, okay, I'm doing an upper body and lower body in one day as opposed to just doing pull-ups and the next day squats. That's probably one way you can take that a step further. Another thing I would try to do is, um, you know, and, and we're, you know, I'm getting there too. I recently had a birthday. We're, we're getting into the, uh, <laughs> those age brackets, right? <laughs> don't, don't go there, Justin. Not on the pod. Yeah, yeah, we're getting I mean, there. We're like, getting there. It, it's a reality, right? Like as we age, we lose strength, we lose muscle. And, and yes. um, if we don't try to maintain or, or grow these things, like it just year over year, we keep losing it. And that can be detri- detrimental to one's health and longevity, right? So one thing I would try to do is, um, and this is a tough one, uh, in general fitness, there's this notion that more is always better. Like, hey, like I did 100 pull-ups. Awesome. Tomorrow I'm going to do 101. Next day I'm going to do 102. But if we're looking at this Pareto principle, all right, like what's the 20% that can get me the 80? We want to try to focus on the quality of strength more. And, and the word strength is kind of a misnomer. There's many ways to go about this. So people are like, yeah, I can do 100 pull-ups. I'm strong. Uh, I'm not talking about it like that. Like I'm talking about your body's ability to handle the forces placed upon it. And that can mean many things. So it depends on your goal. You know, as a salsa dancer, like I don't know how crazy your moves are getting, but maybe you're throwing people up in the air and you got to catch someone that's 100 pounds. Like that's like a big impact, you know? If you're like, you know, for me, if I'm a basketball player, like I'm jumping up and down, hitting the ground, gravity, all these forces on my joints. So strength is different in the sense that we need to be able to handle like decent forces, like decent impacts, decent stresses in our body. And when we do lots and lots of reps, it kind of just handles one side of the continuum and you're missing the whole other side of it where in reality, like there's probably more gains in that spectrum than there are on the other side. Moreover, what I would probably suggest one does in simplicity, try to do those movements, those pushes, those pulls, those squats, those hinges with some decent load, like heavy loads to you. Like it doesn't have to be hundreds and hundreds of kgs, like what's, what's stressful to you and have some stuff there where you're doing it multiple times, but not as many repetitions. 
There's this thing called um, RPE, rate of perceived exertion, that we use as an easy metric to, to, to measure like difficulty in an exercise or a movement. If you're doing 100 push-ups, right, like when you first start doing those push-ups, right, like it's probably like one, two out of 10, like one being easy, 10 being difficult, yeah? And you probably wouldn't say it's not like, it's like seven or eight out of 10 until you get to like, I don't know, for someone like yourself, 20, 30 push-ups, 40 push-ups, something like this, right? To work strength, you kind of got to be in like a five, six rep range with an RPE of, of around seven. Seven out of 10. At least. Seven at least for that rep range. And if you can get that, like do it well, do it right. Like, like I'm not, you like technique and stuff matters. If you don't know what you're doing, like hire someone, there's a lot of benefit in that, or at least learn somehow. Um, Cause there is injury uh, risk potential with this stuff. But if you do it well, if you do it right, if you do it often, you'll likely get more benefits than just sticking on the, the high rep mm. end of the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, wow, that's really interesting. And so in terms of putting together a program, right, if you were to do this for, I love how you, you, you call us, uh, us normal people in your podcast, civilians, what is it? General population? General fitness population. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I just say peons or <laughs> general population? <laughs> so, okay. For, I mean, that's the majority of my clients. Hey? Okay, so. okay, okay. Yeah, I won't put them down. But so, gen, <laughs> you know, us general population clients, right? So let's just take one day. Let's say I'm doing push-ups and I'm doing squats that day. Okay. So let's say I do that twice a week. So maybe one day I do higher reps and then the other day I do what you're talking about. Or is it kind of like you're climbing a hill with progressively heavier loads? Or are you just saying to put some variation into, into that routine? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I would go with more the latter, like the variation. Um, is there a perfect way to get an intended result? Sure, but that's not why we're here today, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I tell most general fitness enthusiasts, I'll say, hey, like, like, hey, what's the best for this? What program? Should I go high, low? Should I just focus on this? I mean, in the end, it to be honest, for like the the general fitness population, it's kind of minutia, man. Like, the the best thing you can do is show up two, three times a week for 52 weeks and if you do that like almost anything will work for how long for how long per session uh, it depends what you're doing i mean if you're just doing push-ups and squats right like you're you know i'm that working behind a computer and yeah i don't really need you know i don't have huge strength demands mm-hmm. so i'll say i'll say this like if you can work total body it doesn't have to all be at once but if you hit your whole body two to three times a week it all depends on how much you're going to do in a session, but you could do a total body session uh, and get a lot of stuff in, in 20, 30 minutes, two, three times a week. And you'll be amazed and see like to see what happens if you do that week over week, over week, over week for a year, like yeah. good things just happen. Yeah, I gotcha. And, and one more question on the, the getting older and losing muscle masses. This happens for both men and women, correct? Correct. Yeah. So what are some ways to combat that? Is it exactly what you're saying or is there anything more to it? That. Right? Because I'm I sure mean, that's a very common concern for our listeners. The strength training is number one. Maintaining or increasing your body's ability to handle its forces. And the only way you're going to get that is by stressing your body so it adapts. 
So, you know, one way to do that is getting in a gym and, and doing like a, like, um, you know, a total body strength training routine. Because, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think like, uh, is there another way? Like, I mean, no, not really, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, obviously like it, it, it goes along with, with other factors. Like if you like don't sleep well, if you get shitty sleep and nutrition, like that's going to mm. hamper it. Like, you know, things of this nature, st- mental stress, so many things that can affect that. But yeah, we lose strength as we age. And the only way that you can combat that is to, to keep repeatedly stressing your body so that it adapts, that it maintains, that it's used to these sort of things. I'll give you a good example. And this gets a little bit more into what I do. But um, there was a study done, uh, I, can't, I don't know the name off my hand, had to do with seniors. And the biggest deterrent of quality of life for them is when they fell. That's right. Because if mean, they fall, yeah. they're more likelihood to break their bones and then they lose their mobility. You know, things like going to the bathroom, they can't do. and they can't. So like, if you look at that, okay, so what can one do for a senior? Well, if you're strength training, like bone density goes up, muscle mass goes up. And another thing that was interesting that they did was they included uh, an athletic training modality in their workouts. It's called power training. So power training is more like fast, coordinative movements as opposed to like big, strong movements. If we take a push, like a bench press with a lot of weight, that would be like a more of a strength, maximal strength movement. Throwing a medicine ball really, really far, a light medicine ball, that would be more of a power movement. So they started adding these sort of power training techniques, regressed for that population, for the senior population. I think what they did was they literally just took like basketballs and stuff and like Mm. repeatedly threw it against the wall because it works on your coordination in the nervous system. And that would reduce the risk of falling by like 40 to 60% just off the top of my head. So like just by them doing it, even yeah. if they hadn't and they'd lost that quality, they can gain that quality back and reduce their future likelihood of injury. Mm. And when you say like total strength training, we're a wash of YouTube videos and like, you know, whatever social media platform you are. I'm sure all of us, all of us have seen those like cheesy. Well, they're not cheesy, but they show like cartoon people working out or re- and then like their body parts light up. And just like follow this app, right? <laughs> Do this work. I mean, where could we find good information there on a total strength training uh, workout in case some of us want to put a plan together? Isn't that the question? <laughs> how do you find a, how do you find a um, a good advisor for um, you know an MBA program? Uh, you find an expert. There you go. Disseminating information is challenging these days, right? Because there's so much. There's so much, right, like, man. Yeah. And as you said, you can go on YouTube, like TikTok, Instagram, whatever you want, and there's stuff and you're like, cool, let's like this guy this guy on this yeah. on this social media platform is Jack. I should probably do what he does. Exactly. You just see these like really fit people, but are they actually doing the right thing, right? Like they they look fit and they're exercising. So it's like, okay, I want to be like that person, so I'll do that. <laughs> but that doesn't seem right to me completely. In reality, like the going back to this Pareto principle, the like 20% that will get you the 80. In reality, the 20% of the fitness stuff for most people, the PPC pillars, like the squats, hinges, pushes, pulls, it's not fancy. And that's probably why it's only a small portion of what you see on the internet, online. I mean, what is social media anyways than trying to grab people's attention? And I mean, 
simple is not like attention grabbing. You know what I mean? I mean, like that's a tough one. Hey, like getting good information is a skill on its own. And unfortunately, like I usually see people like further down the journey. The beginner will be like, I need to, it's most common things. I need to lose weight or gain strength. And they'll, they'll, they'll see someone and they'll do something and, and they'll stick with it for, for a week. And then maybe they get results or not. And then they stop and then it doesn't work or they get hurt. I usually end up seeing someone after like either right at the beginning because they're a youth athlete, which is fantastic, or it's been like four or five or six steps or obstacles through this journey. And you almost have to like rewire and, and uh, sort of uh, re-engineer the thought, the thought process. So my advice on that like is, yeah, there, there, there is unfortunately a lot of bad stuff out there. But usually the cream, usually ri- the, cream of the crop usually rises. Seek, seek good, reputable ref- um, referrals. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe through like, you know, like, I don't know, like professional networks, doctors, um, sports teams, uh, you know, if you find someone like, like do your due diligence, is there a way to like, I mean, does this person have, refer- does this person have referrals? Like, uh, like what's their body of work? Like have they, do they, um, do they provide results? Cause in the end that's what matters. Then like also it's like listening to your body and that's kind of tough because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. So, hey, this hurts. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, maybe you don't know, right? Yeah, if we could, if we could answer that, we're good, man. <laughs> <laughs> One more question uh, for us sort of uh, virtual workers is fighting the hunch, right, specifically. So if we could, I was wondering if maybe you could share like one specific example for us people, you know, working on computers a lot. When I mean the hunch, I'm talking about kind of our backgrounds, you know, our neck goes down, our chin sticks out, and we're just like hunched over our keyboards. And I'm wondering if you have an exercise for us there. Sure, man. Man, I make myself sound like a real, like all I do is work behind the computer. I mean, I I do spend a good four or five hours, but anyhow, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I I don't think it's just, just, um, you know, you and your fans and and, and the virtual population. I mean, anyone has a cell phone probably does the same thing. Yeah. So if I could choose one exercise, I'd try to hit everything opposite of what you're doing. Ah, Okay. Right, so your the essentially the front side of your body, it's all going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'd have the back side of your body go back. There's this exercise called a Superman, and uh, I mentioned to you, I'll, I'll get I'll get you a link so you can get a visual. But if I can describe it, right, you, you lay on the ground on your stomach. And for men, you might need to have like a, a pad there, um, you know, just to, just to, just to forewarn you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it depends. Maybe you're, uh, you're, you're, maybe you're, maybe you like the pain. Who knows? So what you do is you get long, all right? You're going to have your feet long and you're going to press your heels together like uh, Dorothy in Wonderland or something. So what that does by pressing your heels together, it'll activate your glutes. Right? And you're going to slightly lift your knees off the body, a couple millimeters. That's all. 
So now that whole backside, we call it the posterior chain, like your, your heels, your calves, your hamstring, your glutes, your low back, it's all working to keep that structure up off the ground, working against gravity. Now your front side, you want to have a long spine. You don't want to look up, okay? You, you kind of want to have a, we, we kind of want to, it's like a double chin. If you make a double chin, it actually like reinforces this long spine. And so if you push your chin into your, yeah, that double chin. So now, now you've got heel to, to chin going. That whole backside is firing. The last thing I would do is press your arms as long, not, not, as, not as up, but as long as you can get off the ground, as tall as you can get. You mean forward, for, like forward, forward, not, not forward. Yeah, yeah. Not, not up, not right. towards the ceiling, like right. horizontally. Yeah. yeah. And then what I would do is just spread your arms out slightly. Like if you imagined a clock, one hand would go to 10 a.m. and one hand would go to 2 p.m. And then you're just reaching in that position, holding for amount of time. And I'd probably say 15 to 30 seconds. You can do that one to three times. You can do it multiple times a day. It really just depends what you're going for. I can't. I'm going to be doing that right after this call and <laughs> experimenting. That's great. That's so great. So essentially, it's like it's an op- it's an opposite of everything that you're doing. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Great stuff. So yeah, we'll be sure to link to the a video right um, of what you're talking about in the show notes. Any last thoughts here? You know, before we move on to kind of the next topic. I mean, I, just to kind of summarize what what we've discussed. Uh, try to focus on the 20% that makes 80% of the difference. Uh, focus on doing compound movements, which are multi-joint movements. Most importantly, make it part of your lifestyle and show up. But yeah, focus on those those kind of four pillar movements, the push, pull, squat, hinge. And really think about quality of strength. And one way to do this is through the uh, kind of measuring your rate of perceived exertion, which I, uh, that's that's pretty cool to think about that. And uh, yeah, obviously do your due diligence on, on personal trainers as well. Um, but yeah, any, anything I missed there or like any other, that that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Like the thing is, and it, I don't want it to be daunting, but you know, like, um, adults, like we thrive when we get the adequate amount of activity. Most people like unless like you have like a poor trainer or something, most people feel good after like a bout of exertion, after a bout of exercise. So even if you do these PPC pillars, you're working on your strength, that's great. Like you've ticked off a huge box, right? Like you've ticked off that 20% that's going to get you like these really good benefits. It kind of doesn't stop there. We need activity. It's like we need like seven or eight act hours of activity a week, right? Like, but it doesn't need to be daunting. Mm. You can go for a walk with your friend. You could do something you love, like go salsa on the weekends. Like you combine a lot of things by doing that. Yeah. Social networks, uh, relationships, uh, fun, adventurism, all this sort of stuff. So just try to find things that like you enjoy. Cause if you do, then you're going to be much more compliant to those things. Like, uh, I hate running. I don't run. I hate running. I won't touch it with a 10 foot pole, but I could play basketball for two hours and not think about it. What are your things? It's going to be different for everyone. There's no one size silver bullet, one size fits all situation for everyone.
I want to dive back into a little bit of um, your story now. I mean, it's pretty amazing that you were a personal trainer and then now you're training some of Saigon's like professional basketball players, for example. So maybe the question there is like, how did you build up your reputation? How did you build up word of mouth? How do you go from kind of an unknown personal trainer to a trainer to the national basketball team? I, I mean, I can only comment on myself, right? Um, so I'm, in, I'm essentially in small business, and it probably won't work at scale, um, even though I, I, I disagree. But like, word, word of mouth is huge. What is social media right now, anyways, and then word of mouth like on a grandiose scale in a different way? So I was, I was really lucky. Like, I touched upon this uh, before. I was a little bit hesitant to get into uh, becoming a personal trainer. Just because I, I mean, I didn't know. Like, I just didn't know what I didn't know, and uh, I was scared of failing. I was scared of success. I was just procrastinating, and uh, you know, it was my wife that pushed me to do this, which is which is awesome, and I'm super grateful for. You know, I'm working at this gym, and I get one client, and uh, you just you just care. Thank you. You just do good work. You try, this is a great lesson, um, always try to over-deliver on value. If you can always try to give more value than the person in front of you thinks they're receiving. Or thinks they're going to receive, right? They think they're, thinks they're going to receive. Like, you cannot, you cannot lose. That's a habit, much like working out, showing up, that I've done for years and years, and um, it's compounded, like compound interest to, to what it is today. Um, so I started out with one client. She had goals. I cared deeply about her goals. I helped her get there. From my previous experiences, like in banking and things of that nature, I've had much experience dealing with people. So I have these so I have that skill set to be personable and to, uh, to, to build relationships. Which is crucial for your industry, I think. I mean, it's absolutely it's, yeah. any, any service industry, anything yeah. that deals yeah. with people, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. you need to be able to deal with people, right? So, I mean, like when I was younger, um, I mean, I played on sports teams. There's leadership, working with other people, obstacles. I worked at a at a restaurant as a as a server, as a bartender. Um, I worked in banking and finance, handing like shit tons of money, people's money. Like, they won't give it to you unless they trust you, right? So that experience definitely helps me today the one client that i end up helping is like the p the head of the pto or like a pta of a school right and so through her i end up getting like 15 clients and then from then it's like 30 40 and like in three four months i'm starting to think i'm working for this gym i'm kind of giving them a cut of everything i'm making and like i don't really agree with their philosophies i could just do this on my own and that's another thing, like that's a huge, another mental step because I've always been this worker, this corporate guy. Now as a personal trainer, I was like, hey, cool, like kind of making a living. I'm, I'm able to do what I do. I'm doing what I love. And, but like, hey, like now I want to do it myself. Okay, what do I need? And again, luckily, like I've, I've had backgrounds in um, like in a corporate situation with several roles. Um, I've worked at restaurants where the owners are entrepreneurs. Um, another hobby of mine is entrepreneurship. 
So I have this like business background skill set to say, hey, like, let's run some numbers. What does this look like? I made a business plan. And you do the business plan. I was like, holy shit, like, I got to go. I did the math and it was even like, if I lose half my clients, I'm still making money. Like, I'm still doing better off than I was. So it was a no-brainer. It made the decision so much easier that any sort of mental block that I had was sort of pushed away. So then, like, I took little money that I had and, uh, you know, I was super fortunate. My dad gave me a little bit of seed money. I bought a bunch of equipment, had it shipped over, rented out a big place, uh, redid the whole place, and set up this, I call it the PPC lab, which is uh, like a a training studio. And this is kind of where we do all the work. Those were interesting times. Because when I started, it was like, okay, personal trainer working for someone else, this is cool. Like I'm living in Vietnam, I'm young, and I'm having fun, and I'm making money. Then I step up. Okay, I'm doing this on my own. I'm like this small business owner. You know, it's all for me. And I'm making a difference in all my clients' lives and blah, blah, blah. And I was actually working. I wasn't working with kids at the time. But then I started thinking, I mean, is this enough? Like, I can't actually make a, I can't, you know, I can't have kids, like, with the money I make. Like, is this going to be a mm. filling, sustainable lifestyle? And at the time, I'd probably say it was year two. I was no. Like it wasn't, I wasn't making enough money to, if I want to have kids and send them to schools and all this sort of stuff, it wasn't enough. So then I started thinking like, okay, what's PPC's mission statement? I actually didn't have it at the time. Yeah. And it's cliche, but it's super hard yet super important to understand what that mission is. And it took me time. I'd suggest like, I'd say six months. And it, in the end, it worked out being this. The betterment of strength and conditioning, strength training, athletic performance, and injury prevention in Vietnam. So with that as my mission statement, with that as my, my, my northern star, my guiding light, decisions became much easier. And more importantly, it allowed me to figure out what not to do. And that's a huge thing because like there's many good ideas and you know, some people do them, some people don't, some, pe- some ideas stick, some don't. But when, when you know what not to do, that can save you time. So I was in this sort of training bubble, just training you know, um, like professionals and adults. And then I said, hey, like, if this is my mission, like, I need to help more people. How am I going to do that? And I just started putting myself out there in ways that I knew how. Like I started volunteer coaching basketball. That led me to like kids and I started training kids. And now like half my clients are youth athletes. I did a lot of group training. Through that, I met pro athletes. You know, that's where I met like Christian, you know, that we both know. He's like one of the best basketball players in Southeast Asia of all time, they say. And I agree. And so through that, and then it's just the word of mouth. And uh, typically when, uh, you know, when athletes come through Saigon, if they're serious about their craft, they end up coming to see me. Like I've had former NBA players come into my doors. I've had Div 1 U.S. athletes here on vacation come through my doors. Um, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't stop there, right? So 
yeah, that's the word of mouth to where it is to where it is today. And I just keep trying to stay true to that mission. Mm. I love that story. I mean, can you give me an example of some activities you chose not to do because of your mission statement? One, I decided not to expand traditionally, like via brick and mortar, which is what most regular business teachings would tell one to do. And the reason why I do that is because, sure, if I opened up another location, like I can help double the amount of people and things of that nature. But ultimately, like what I can leverage is my knowledge. And HR, human resources are hard everywhere, but it's particularly difficult in Vietnam. And to stay true to like my culture, my philosophies, we, we pay like big attention to detail you know, the science of training, its applications, and then also like relationship building. Because if you don't have all those three, like you can't affect change. Like you can have the best knowledge and science or whatever, but if you're a dick, if you're an asshole, if you can't communicate that to the person in front of you, it doesn't matter. So to, to replicate, to make another PPC, I could probably do that. To make 10, 15, 20, I, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. So that, what not to do is that. Another thing that I've decided to do is limit the amount of training that I do, like limit the amount of one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do. Mm. Cause I want to help. Like, I, I love this country. I want to give back. I want to help this industry. I think I already am. But if I'm just helping one person at a time, like there's only so much I can do. Like I can help 40 people in a week and that's kind of a lot, you know, I'll never stop coaching cause I love it. I really enjoy it. That's why I got into this in the first place. But not doing that frees up time to explore other avenues where I can level my, leverage my knowledge to hopefully help more people. Like, for example, like during lockdown, um, this has been great. Like, it's been a chance for reflection. I did a podcast with a young Vietnamese university student that's into strength and conditioning. And uh, he does a podcast where he talks about strength and conditioning topics in Vietnamese. There's like no resources like this. Yet by going on to his podcast, like I know I've in a way influenced, I think dozens, I don't know, I could be wrong, but just that alone, right? That's a way that I can stay true to my mission and help more, help more people, help the industry, like think bigger. Yeah, no, I love that. And I mean, one Part of that answer that I want to ask you more about is the relationship part. Having lived with you, right? And yes, you guys have a lab. Yes, you guys bring people over for training. But yes, Joe, your wife, is cooking amazing food. And you guys, you know, have these wonderful meals together with your clients. Uh, I know so many of your clients, when you guys host parties, always talk about how you guys have both, you know, I want to include her in this as well, have both really built a sense of family you know, and, and community in, you know, your little part of Saigon over there, which has become a bigger part of Saigon. Maybe it's as simple as being good to people, but I just love to kind of hear about how that has factored into your business as well, because I see it as a huge part of, of what you guys are doing. And like, yeah, really good question. And, and um, um, yeah, I like that because, yeah, you need to be good with relationships, um, like probably more than than anything else like actually like i'm just passionate about strength training and athletic performance like 99 percent of people don't care like 
about 99% of the stuff, yeah. But here's a cool story. Like, Joanne and I, we came to Vietnam, and uh, I sold all my stuff in Vancouver. Car, rented out my apartment, all this sort of stuff. So I had, like, two hockey bags in Canada. That's everything that I had. And that was day one. We had, like, no friends, no nothing. We came here without a job. And I think it's six years, but four years after opening PPC, we had our wedding. Um, and you were there. Yes, I was. And it was amazing because we came to Vietnam with nothing, not knowing anybody. Yet there was a room with 150 people that like, we greatly impacted that we have and still have solid relationships with, like a new family. And that comes from just building relationships. So what can I say about that? Like, I think, I think one way to do it is like, I'm not money driven. Like, um, the more I've helped, like the more money just kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it took me a while to, to like, to fully grasp that. But like now I'm like really, yeah, like it's do things for reasons. Having that mantra that helps, but just always over deliver to the people in front of you. There's a fitness industry like in Vietnam. Right. And, um, I don't even think I'm a, I'm not even really like a part of it. Like there's like strength and conditioning. Like what I do, it wasn't even a thing when I came and I created it. Like I created my own market, like my own niche. We created our own niche and, um, just wanted to help people. So like you talk about, like I have a professional in and Hey, he does so-and-so and and, Oh, I know someone that like, uh, you know, maybe he likes running and then I go, Oh yeah, I know another guy that likes running. Let's connect. Or, uh, so-and-so had this issue. They went to go see this doctor, Oh, like, you know, maybe, maybe we can help. And just bringing people together and uh, the golden rule, like treat unto others like you want to be treated, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I can yeah. honestly say that that's, that's where it all comes from. Like honestly caring, over delivering, like being in their shoes. And when you do that, like most of my friends are, are my clients and stuff, right? Like clients, friends, it all, it all, it's all intertwined now. We've also been able to create a space, you know, you know how it was in Saigon like four or five years ago, right? Like you just, it's fun, it's adventurous, it's hip, you go out, you can have drinks, you eat whatever you want, it's like easy, um, your dollar goes far. There wasn't as many things if you didn't like that. Hey, I don't want to like, I don't really feel like going and partying until three in the morning every day. Like, I don't really want to drink two balls of wine at dinner and blah, blah, blah. There wasn't stuff like that, right? And we were able to create a place or places or situations that were outside of that, that were different to that. I frequently have dinners with clients, like we get them. It helps that your wife is a great cook too. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're a team. Yeah. yeah, we're a team. And like, she's definitely part of that relationship building equation, right? Like we're yin and yang, you know, For she's sure. much sure. more of an extrovert. I'm an introvert. And so we can, uh, you know, we can give rather where someone takes and fill in gaps where the other can't. You know, even like in lockdown right now, right, we're able to um, procure food for some of our clients mm-hmm. just through like our connections. You know, it's kind of like a one-stop shop now. You can kind of get a lot of stuff done at PPC, not just the training. Yeah. 
Well, I think one factor you didn't mention and uh, that I think is huge is you guys also bring a real sense of fun. I mean, you're 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 dead serious in delivering value. Don't get me wrong, but there is a sense of uh, a big sense of play and fun when you guys throw your events and, and have your dinners too. I think that's a big part of it. One more question on something you said, which was kind of interesting, and I think is an issue that many of us face is this relationship with money, because you said at some point you realized. If I just help people and give value, it comes back to me. Do you have a story there, or you know, I'm I'm just kind of want to dive into that 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 one sentence you said. I'm comfortable, like financially, so maybe it's like hard to like listen to it, like from my perspective at this point now. But I don't come from a place where I'm comfortable for money for money. Like we grew up, uh, like in my family when I was young, we didn't have as much money. Like I could, I, like I say this, like I've said this one a lot recently. I don't know why, but you know, we didn't have money to the sense where I was young, you know, you're developing, you, you lack confidence. And I was, I got a date and then I couldn't get money to go to the movies. And like that, that's like scarring, right? So you can't go on the date. You're like crap. Like you think there are all these expectations, blah, blah, blah. So that's like definitely like scarred me, but it can change. Now, I was able to make income that fit my lifestyle. That's first, right? Like you need to have money to, to, to okay, survive and then be comfortable and do things you like to do. Like that, that needs to be a thing, right? But once you get to that point, money is like short-sighted, yeah? Because like money is just a tool. Like it's just a tool to allow you to do things you want to do. Some people perceive money as like a status, but like that's just a thing that you want to do. If you look at it this way, like when I was just working like hourly and and do it like, you know, one-on-one sessions and not thinking bigger, like if I wanted more money, the only idea I had in my head was to work more hours. But then conversely, that would stress me out. I wouldn't have time for myself. I would get less stuff done. Like, like my relationship would be get sour and things of this nature. So one thing I view money as is a tool to get me time because time is something that like you cannot buy and it's something that you can't replace and it's super valuable. I don't know. Like I've always been into like self-help stuff and like reading and like knowledge, the pursuing of knowledge. And there's many avenues where you can get that line. Like, don't pursue money. Like, if you give, you'll receive 2x back. There's, like, many places where you'll hear this, you know? And so I always knew it. And it was always a cliche until, like, I actually experienced it. And then I can be the cliche. But it's true. Like, the more I've doubled down on giving, the more I've received in reward. And reward is financial. It's, it's like happiness, it's time, it's health. Relationships. It's just, relationships. It's just a part of it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I mean, listen, I've known you for a long time, uh, but I think what I really love about this episode is it's cool to kind of hear you really talk about it because we always joke around. We watch the NBA all the time and, you know, we always have fun conversations, but I've never really talk to you about your entire journey and kind of how you thought about it each step of the way. So it's been really fun for me just to like, whoa, okay, this is like a different side of Justin. <laughs> so I'm glad we had the the podcast to, to see that side of you. Where can uh, our audience find out more f- 
from you or learn exercises from you or learn knowledge from you? Uh, I'm all over the social medias, so Instagram, <laughs> the Facebook. The social medias, plural. Yeah, the socials, all over the socials. Um, Parks Performance with an E, uh, not the Korean version. <laughs> I am working on a website. I have been for the last five, six years, so that will be up soon. <laughs> uh, that will be up at parksperformancecoaching.com at some point. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm usually an open book when, you, when, you, when people ask, as you know, you know, we've been friends for years, right? And we talk about things that aren't our crafts. And um, in general, I'm a bit more of an introvert, so I kind of keep to myself. But, uh, you know, when, when talked about, when you talk about things that someone's passionate about, you know, they can really, really get into it. And uh, you did a good job of uh, steering me in the right directions because, uh, um, you know, I can ramble on about this stuff. Wow. No, awesome. So, would you prefer what Instagram is kind of your preferred? Yeah, channel? Instagram is probably the yeah. way, best way to reach me if you actually want to get in touch. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. Uh, this could be a recurring. I could see this becoming a recurring sort of guest spot for you to answer maybe other questions that come in about you know health and and, and strength and conditioning. Easy, man. So. Hey, you were my inspiration to do podcasts in the first place. <laughs> now, now, there you uh, go. There you go. I did it for a bit. I had a bit of a lull, and uh, <laughs> now I'm on a good. Uh, I'm on a good routine. So. Awesome. Thanks so much, Justin. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please press subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app. It helps more people discover the show. Also, you can find all the show notes and links mentioned in this episode at upstartist.tv ace. That's A-S-E. Hope to see you there.